And happy Father's Day to you all. Did you all see the cars sitting outside our church? Holy cow. I'm trying to figure out where the keys to all of them are um, because I'd like to take a few on a test drive. Uh, I told our 8 a.m. crowd, if you're watching online today, today is a day. I hope you're not just being lazy in your bed because today is a great day to be at church. The cars outside. I don't know if you even looked up yet and saw the Pac-Man ghost uh, flying through our ceiling. We're getting ready for jam camp. Uh, If you're like me and you grew up playing Mario, I've been going around the church all week long trying to jump and see if I could hit my head on the coins and seeing if they make the ding sound when I hit them. They haven't, um, but I have unfortunately been doing that uh, all week long. Um, So we're glad that you're here today on Father's Day. Thanks for being with us. Got a question for you. How many of you were alive in the summer of 1969? Raise your hand. You were alive in the summer of 1969. They say in American history, the summer of 1969, was the most memorable summer in the history of, of our nation's history because of a little music festival called Woodstock that took place in upstate New York, 400,000 people that came together over four days to listen to some unbelievable music and do a lot of things we tell people in church not to do. So we won't go into all the other things, um, but this music festival where people just camped out for a long weekend um, and took part in music. We're, we are 50 years later in the summer of 2019, kind of having a spiritual Woodstock experience with Jesus. I have asked you all to come on a month-long camping trip, really a summer's-long camping trip with Jesus, to hang out with him in the hills of Galilee, to hang out with him in the hills of Judea, not listening to his music, but listening to his messages, Um, not listening to the lyrics of his songs, but listening to his stories that are so easy to remember and that have embedded in them this deep spiritual truth that can deeply impact your heart. We're in a series called The Parables of Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, we're in week three. We're back in Matthew chapter 13. You can turn to Matthew 13, pull the notes out of your bulletin so that you can follow along today. If you don't have a Bible, no big deal. Everything we read will be on the screen beside me so you can kind of follow along with our scripture reading. We are in Matthew chapter 13 trying to learn another parable of Jesus and learn what it means for our life spiritually. If you haven't been here the first couple of weeks, let me catch you up. Say, so what is a parable? Pa- the word parable is a Greek word made up of two words, parabalo. And this word means to throw or lay or place alongside of for the purpose of comparison. A parable is used when something hard to describe can be described with something much easier to describe. Jesus tried to take spiritual principles that were hard to understand, and he would say, it's kind of like this that you do understand. And he drew principles from everyday things that helped us understand deep spiritual truth. We said a parable is an earthly story that is revealed to have a deep spiritual meaning for those who would seek out the deeper meanings of it. So Jesus taught for people's hearts, not their heads, and he would kind of whet their appetite with a spiritual story so they'd follow up and say, tell me more. Tell me how that applies to me. Tell me um, how I can understand that. Tell me how I can take some action steps in that. Last week, we were in the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Maybe you've heard it called the wheat and the tares. Um, this week, we're in the parable of the sower. We're going to talk about how God sows seeds in our hearts and how our hearts respond to those. I believe that every time a Christian reads the Bible, God is throwing seeds so that we ought to pray and ask God that some of them will like take root and plant. So if you would do that with me just real quick, if you bow your heads, take a deep breath and just kind of clear everything out of your head and heart for the next 25 minutes and pray this prayer. Ask God from your heart to heaven, not out loud, but just ask God to speak to your heart today through the Bible. God, we know that every time the people of God study the word of God, the spirit of God is sowing seeds. So God, today, sow seeds. Show us the condition of our hearts, 
Show us why our hearts are the way that they are. And show us how they can be healed if they're hurting. We love you. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Then we're going to jump over to verse 18 where Jesus explains his parable that he gives in the first nine verses. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. Sounds like a pretty good Father's Day, right? Sitting in a boat, hanging out on a lake. Jesus was there, but he was teaching. He sat in the boat. All the people stood on the shore. Verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now let's stop right here and just see how Jesus taught, okay? Jesus is sitting in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, um, probably Capernaum, Bethsaida, one of the towns, Magdala, that butts up right against the Sea of Galilee is there, and he's looking in the hills behind him. In my mind, there's no doubt there's a farmer sowing seed that Jesus points to. Look over there, right? He's trying to teach. He says, look over this. Look at the farmer sowing a seed. So picture with me, well, 2,000 years ago, a rugged Jewish farmer, He's probably got a long beard, long hair. Man, his, his skin is weathered, tan, like someone who spends all their life outside would be. He's got one strap around his shoulder, this huge bag of seed, and he's walking through this field. And he's reaching his bag, and he's throwing seed. And she said, look at that guy. Look at that guy, because I'm going to teach you something spiritually um, through him. L- look at him. So see him in your mind. Verse 4, as he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. You might underline that last sentence there. I'm going to come back to it in a minute. Whoever has ears, let them hear. In verse 18, the disciples said, what did it, what's it mean? How can we learn about God from a farmer? So he answers the question. Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, They last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Three goals that I have for you today, two kind of regular learning goals, and then what I would call a bonus goal. Goal number one, I'm hoping today you can learn the condition of your heart spiritually. There is no better story in the Bible to help you put a stethoscope up to your chest and say, I think this is the condition of my heart spiritually. If one of four to choose from, even more important than that letter B, I want you to learn why your hearts have become that way. Jesus in this parable says, we can look at the condition of your heart, and more than that, I can break down why your heart has become the way it is. Those are the goals that I have for you today, that you learn the condition of your heart, you learn why it is the way it is, so that Jesus can do some heart surgery on you. And then I have a bonus goal. Because it's Father's Day, I think today we can learn how to become a stronger dad for those of us who are dads. But this also 
is learn how to become a stronger mom. This is learn how to become a stronger big brother, big sister. This is a, the bonus goal is really learn how to become more like Jesus. Because if you become more like Jesus, you're going to become a better dad, a better mom, a better brother, a better, better sister, a better boss, a better employee. Because anytime we study the heart spiritually, we can learn how to pursue people like God pursued us. And that's the best way to pursue people. And anytime we study the heart of God, We can see how he pursues us and we can let him kind of wash over us with love more than we did before he knew how he pursued us. So that's our goal today. And every week we're asking two questions as we get into this series on the parables. What's this parable? We just read it. What's the parable? What's the point? What's the parable? What's the point? Every week this summer, that's what we're asking in a different Bible parable. What's the parable? What's the point? Question one, let's ask the first question. What is this parable? Parable lays out two things. Today's parable lays out two things side by side to compare them. To each other. And here's what's compared. Letter A, how different types of soils receive seed that's thrown on them and how they produce a crop. As a matter of fact, if you have maybe a New American Standard Bible, New King James Version Bible, in Matthew 13, your Bible might say the parable of the soils, not the parable of the sower, because it's about half and half. Really, this parable is about the soils. The soil is what's compared more than the sower. We learn about God from the sower. But the soil is the comparison today. It's compared letter B to how different types of hearts receive the message of the kingdom, according to Jesus, and how they produce fruit. You say, what's the message of the kingdom? In 2 Corinthians 5.19, the apostle Paul calls it the message of reconciliation. It's the same thing. Here's the message. You were born into a relationship with God that is broken, but Jesus can put it together. That's the message of reconciliation. That's the message of the kingdom. That's the message of the gospel. You were born into a broken relationship with God, but Jesus can put it together. Today's parable compares how seeds fall in different types of soil on the field and ultimately produce fruit and how hearts, sitting in church today, listening online today, how hearts hear the message that you were born into a broken relationship with God, but Jesus can fix it and how we respond to that and why. That's today's parable with five parallels that we can learn from this story about spiritual truth today that we're going to look at. What does what we learn from this field being sown with seeds teach us about how God works in our lives and how we respond to it? Number one, first thing we learn is that Jesus stepped out of heaven in pursuit of our hearts. Jesus as a sower went out to sow seed. And as we look at the message of the kingdom, the thing that we have to realize is that God, from the day we were born, has been pursuing our hearts for relationship. God, from the moment we came into this world, has been pursuing us so we could have a relationship with him. He's been pursuing us with this message of reconciliation. And God, like this farmer, never stops sowing. God never has a season that he takes off. God sows every day into our life so we can connect to him through Jesus. You might think of it this way. Jesus stepped out of heaven so one day you could step into heaven. Jesus stepped out of heaven so that one day you could step into heaven to pursue our hearts. This is where I think we have the first really good dad note. Hey, dads, as we look at the heart of God and we look at our role, never stop pursuing the hearts of your children. I mean, what a great lesson we see from the heart of God and how we parent, how how we're a dad, how we're a mom, how we're a coach, how we're a teacher. If you really love someone, don't ever stop pursuing their heart. This week in the Activate podcast, Brandon asked me a really good question. He's like, how exactly do we do that? So I take about five minutes to unpack first how to know how God created your child's heart and then how to pour into that part of them. So if you get a chance this week, listen to the podcast, dads, moms, teachers, coaches, 
Husbands, wives, never stop pursuing the hearts of the people in your life. Number two, as we look at this parable, we see another parallel. First, or we learn this. Number two, the condition of our heart determines the impact of God's message on us. We learn that Jesus stepped out of heaven to pursue us, but we learn the condition of our heart determines the impact of God's message on us. In Matthew 13, 9, Jesus uses this little phrase that he says all the time at the end of his message. He gets to the end of his message and he says this, whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. You can imagine the one guy in the crowd who didn't have ears thinking, okay, I guess this, like, this one's not for me. It's not what that meant. It had nothing to do with physical ears on the side of their head. Probably everyone listening then and today had at least one ear on the side of their head. He wasn't meaning if you have ears, you should hear this. The spiritual note that this little phrase means is this, our ears hear, but it's our hearts that receive. And Jesus says, I'm giving you this spiritual truth, but if it doesn't get to your heart, it's not going to work. If it stays in your head, it's not going to work. This is not a lesson to be learned. It's a life to be lived. Christianity is not lessons to be learned. It's a life to live in the condition of our hearts kind of impacts how much we receive from God. And then number three, the condition of our heart in turn determines the impact of our lives on others. So the condition of our heart is super important. Condition of our heart impacts how close we are to God. The condition of our heart impacts how impactful we are on the lives of others because the condition of our heart determines our spiritual fruitfulness, our character that makes us look like Jesus, our calling that makes us live like Jesus. It is the character and the calling of our heart that makes us impactful in the world because spiritual fruitfulness turns you into someone who looks like Jesus, lives like Jesus. It turns you into someone who always puts others first. It always puts your wife first. It always puts your kids first. It always puts your employees first. It always puts your boss first. It always puts your neighbors first. Spiritual fruitfulness turns us into someone who looks like Jesus and it has high impact on other people, which means dad note number two, or really it's a, it's a Christian note for everyone. The condition of your heart is vitally important to those you hope to have impact on. You can't listen to this parable anymore, dad, and then just say, well, I had a bad week, but it only impacts me. Uh-uh. Your bad week that's negatively impacting your heart is probably impacting everyone in your life. This bad season of life that's negatively impacting your heart is probably impacting everyone at your work. This difficult thing that you're going through that is negatively impacting your heart is probably putting a lot of strain on your marriage. We can no longer say after hearing this parable that the condition of my heart only impacts me. The condition of my heart impacts everyone around me and the fruitfulness that I have. We also learn number four, Not everyone who hears the message of the kingdom will be deeply impacted. As a matter of fact, Jesus says some won't be impacted at all. Some will hear with their ears. It will never get to their heart. People will sit in a room. Everyone will hear the same thing, but some people will hear nothing. While others hear the message of life change. Everyone hears with their ears. Some have closed their hearts. But if your heart is open, number five, everyone who is impacted will have impact. Everyone who is impacted by the message of the kingdom will have impact on the lives of others. Lots of good spiritual truth. But this is just truth. This is just what is this parable? What's it trying to teach us? Lots of good spiritual truth. Let's review one more time. What is the parable of the sower teaches? Jesus stepped out of heaven in pursuit of our hearts. What is the parable of the sower teaches us? The condition of our hearts. Super important. It determines the impact of God on us. It determines the impact of our lives on others. What is the lesson of the parable of the sowers? Not everyone who hears the message of the kingdom is going to be deeply impacted. Some people won't be impacted at all, but everyone who is impacted will have impact. Great truth. What's the point? 
Great truth, what's the point? What do you and I take from that to go follow Jesus better? That's the question we're asking. What are the spiritual steps that we're supposed to take? Now that we know these five things about the condition of our hearts and how it impacts others, what do do we do? What's the point? Well, two lessons. Lesson number one, we're going to see both the symptoms and the causes of the heart conditions in this parable. We're not just going to learn that some people have a hard heart. We're going to learn why. We're not just going to learn that some people are shallow spiritually. We're going to learn why. We're not just going to learn that some people struggle to let go of the world. We're going to learn why. So the first really important lesson is not just to say, here's the condition of my heart, but to also admit, and this is why it is that way. The path is the first heart described in Matthew 13. And the path, according to Jesus, represents those whose hearts have simply been worn down by the people and the experiences in their lives. Those people whose hearts are like the path are people whose hearts have become hard. Listen, because your life is hard. It's interesting how hurt people have hard hearts because that's the only thing that would protect their heart long term. And what I find most intriguing about this message is how the enemy uses the sections of our heart that are hard because they're hurt. Did you see that the enemy, represented by the birds, only hangs around the path? We're not told that the birds even tried to get to the seed in the rocky soil. We're not told they try to get to the seed in the thorny soil. We're not told they hang around good soil. Seeds would even lay on top of good soil. It was still turned over and open. The birds hang around the hard places in our life. Why? Because here's what the enemy does in our life. Our spiritual enemy works through the wounds that people in our past have given us. This is where Satan hangs out in your life. Satan hangs out in the places in your life where you are hurt the most, and here's why. Because he knows if the seed of Jesus gets into one of the hurt places in your life, it will absolutely change everything. And he doesn't want that to happen. It's why why Satan kind of hangs out around the abuse in your past, because every time the message of Jesus lands on that abuse where it could really produce transformation, Satan wants to steal that, because he knows that if the hard places are impacted, everything is impacted. So Satan doesn't hang around the shallowness, the the thorny soil, the good soil. Satan hangs around the hard places because if he can keep the hurt hard, he can keep your life from ever really being truly transformed spiritually. That's how we learn the devil works through this. It's why in October we're going to have a series at our church called The Grim Reaper. Because after nearly eight years of pastor in our church, I'm tired of watching soft hearts become hard hearts Because people go through suffering and they go through death. And it's really easy when life gets really, really hard to let our hearts become really, really hard. And then we just totally unplug from Jesus spiritually. We need to develop a theology and understanding of how Christians are supposed to produce, uh, supposed to face suffering, how Christians are supposed to face death. So I'm going to teach our church that because I'm sick of watching hard things create hard hearts. We got to be better than that. But it's interesting because of the path here. If you would have looked at a field 2,000 years ago, the path is just, a, is just a shortening of the word, the footpath. The path was the footpath. The path was where people cut across the field over and over and over again. The path was where so many people had walked that the soil had become hard. And let me say this to those of you who may be struggling with the condition of a hard heart because you've had a hard life. If you've been stepped on your entire life, And it has made your heart hard. I'm sorry, 
but I believe Jesus can help you. If you've had a heavy-handed father, Father's Day is hard for you because every dream that you ever had was crushed by your father and, and your heart was stepped on over and over and over again and your, your heart became a footpath for someone in your family to kind of beat you down. I'm sorry, but I believe Jesus can heal you. If you are here today and you've had to build a hard heart to get through a hard life, I'm sorry, but I believe the message of God's love through Jesus can heal you. Soul number one is the path. The path became the path because people walked all over it. But the path can become soft through Jesus. Soul number two is the rocky soil. Jesus says these are the type of people who will commit their life to him as long as it's easy. He says some seed goes out and it falls on the rocky soil. These are people who will commit their life to Jesus as long as that life of following Jesus is easy. Listen to how Jesus describes it in Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Jesus said, here's a, here's a picture of the rocky soil. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble, by the way, if you have your Bible, I want you to circle this word trouble. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. It's interesting, this word trouble is the Greek word thlipsis. And we see it used all over scripture. Jesus said there are people who've kind of made a faith decision, but when thlipsis comes, when life gets hard, they they kind of back away. Here's what you need to understand about this word trouble. Jesus never called anyone to a life of easy faith. If you're here and you say, no, like I thought when, I thought when Jesus called me to follow him, it was, it was so that he could prosper me and nothing would ever go wrong anymore. That wasn't Jesus. Like you were catfished. Like, like if you got an email that said, hey, Jesus wants to fill up your bank account, just send me back all your number because I've got $17 billion that I need to deposit in America. That, that wasn't Jesus. If you've been invited to an easy faith where you will have no trouble, just roses and rainbows the rest of your life, Jesus did not give that invitation. Because in John 16, Jesus said this, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's the exact same Greek word as Matthew 13. Jesus said, as you follow me, you're going to have thlipsis, but you're going to be okay because I've overcome the world. Jesus said, one thing that will tell you who's really following me versus kind of, who's kind of only looks like they're following me is drop a dose of trouble into their life and you will very easily distinguish Someone who's really following Jesus versus someone who's made a commitment based on something less than Jesus. Which leads us to dad note number three. This is, a, this is an opportunity, dads. Going through trouble gives you an opportunity to prove your faith. Because Jesus said there's a lot of people that at the first sign of trouble, they will walk away. He called them the rocky soil. So your kids are watching you, dad. And when life gets hard, you get a chance to prove whether you got the real deal or whether you were planted in rocky soil. When life gets hard, mom, when life gets hard, parents, when the diagnosis comes, this is when we have a chance now to say, hey, like like in this world, I'm going to have some flipsis, I'm going to have trouble, but I've also got Jesus, or I'm going to be okay, or I'll walk away completely because faith is not easy anymore. Jesus never promised anyone a life of easy faith, but he said he would be with you in the hard things. Rocky soil says, I'm in as long as it's easy. I'll tithe as long as I'm making a lot of money. I'll serve as long as, you know, everything's going well at church. Uh, I'll be there as often as I can when there's nothing else going on. But when I'm asked to sacrifice at all in a difficult time, I'm out. That's soil number two. Soil number three is the thorny soil. 
Jesus describes these people as those who cannot take their eyes and their hands off the things the world promises and the world provides. The thorny soil, those who cannot take their eyes and their hands off the things that the world promises and provides. In Matthew 13, 22, he summarizes the, thor- the thorny soil with just one verse. And here's what he said. The thorny soil is the, the, seed, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness. Again, if you have your pen, I want you to circle that word deceitfulness in your Bible. It's a mathematical term. It means to miscalculate in the Greek language. It means to actually think something confidently that's not true. To think two plus two equals five when it really, when it really does not. It, it's a miscalculate. It's not being misguided. It's actually believing something that's not true. Jesus said there are going to be people who the worries of this life and believing that what the world offers is better than what I, what I offer, they'll just be choked spiritually. They'll be deceived. They'll make a miscalculation. They'll look at what Jesus offers and what the world offers and they'll say, this one is better. That is the thorny soil. Last week, I preached on the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And one of the guys who works on our safety team after the 5 p.m., I was talking to him and he said, man, the whole time you were preaching, he said, I was thinking about this field that I drive by every day on the way to work. He said, there's this beautiful wheat field that I drive by every day on the way to work. And he said, I started noticing what looked like all these beautiful kind of purple flowers. And at one section of the field actually is way more flowers than it is wheat. But he said, as I've been listening to this message, I realize these, these are actually weeds. These are not wheat, they're weeds. What I, what I thought were these beautiful flowers are actually weeds. The thorny soil are people who see weeds as flowers. The thorny soil are people who see the spiritual pollution of sin as valuable rather than poison. The thorny soil says, I see everything Jesus offers, but man, but like the other stuff that I want to do that Jesus doesn't want me to do. That stuff is so valuable too. And they're more attracted to what the world offers than what Jesus offers. Jesus had a great friend named John who wrote down a lot of his teachings in 1 John 2, verses 15 and 17. He said this, don't love the world or anything in the world. Don't see weeds as flowers. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them for everything in the world. The lust of the flesh, the things that make us feel good, even though Jesus says don't do them. The lust of the eyes, the things that look good, even though Jesus says don't pursue them. The pride of life, the things that make me look good in the eyes of others, even though Jesus says don't do them. Those things don't come from the Father, but they come from the world. Don't see weeds as flowers. You lose long term. Jesus' little brother James doubled down in James 4.4. 4. He said it this way. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity? The word means hatred against God. Therefore, anyone, and he uses a valuable word here. He said, anyone who chooses. Because really, it's your choice. It's my choice. It's our choice. Once we hear the message of reconciliation and we see all the world has to offer, we get to choose which, which one we want. James said, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Don't see weeds as flowers. Let go of what the world promises so that you can have all of what God offers. That's the first lesson. We see both the symptoms and the causes of heart conditions through this parable. You say, I feel like my heart's always been hard. Maybe it's because your life has been hard and you've been trying to protect something. You say, my faith has always been shallow. Maybe it's because you committed to a really easy faith and you didn't know you were going to have trouble even as you walk with Jesus. You say, I've always struggled kind of grabbing onto what God wants me to grab onto. It's because you have to let go of the world first. We see the conditions and why those conditions exist. But then lesson number two, we focus in on the good soil 
And we learned this lesson. To have spiritual impact, you have to be spiritually impacted. Only one of the soil types was ever any good to anybody else. The path never, never produced anything that was good for anyone else. The rocky soil never produced anything that was good for anyone else. The thorny soil never produced anything that was good for anyone else. But the good soil, when internal became external, produced a crop that other people could benefit from. Those who want to have spiritual impact have to be spiritually impacted. And Jesus said that happens through the good soil. The good soil are represented by those who hear with their hearts and then impact with their lives. The good soil is represented by people who hear with their hearts and then impact with their lives. And I think maybe the most beautiful part of this whole parable is if you can understand two simple little equations, you can remember everything that Jesus is saying here. Because he gives us two equations that I've kind of put together that I hope will be really easy for you to remember. One is a promise and one is an evaluation. But the entire parable of the sower kind of boils down to these two things. Equation number one is this. If you don't have any roots spiritually, you won't have any fruits spiritually. It's the first equation that the parable of the sower gives us. If you do not have any roots spiritually, you will not have any fruits spiritually. You won't have any impact on anyone else spiritually speaking. Jesus says, don't forget that equation. No roots means no fruits. This is a promise. It's a promise. If your heart stays hard, you're not going to have the fruits that Jesus wants you to have. If your faith stays shallow, you're not going to have the fruits that Jesus wants you to have. If you cannot let go of what the world offers, you are not going to have the fruits that Jesus wants you to have. This is a promise. If you do not have roots spiritually, you will not have fruits spiritually. But then Jesus says, if you flip it around, it becomes an evaluation. No fruits spiritually equals no roots spiritually. You look at someone who calls himself a Christian, but they don't have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You look at someone who says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church, but they don't have any fruits spiritually. They don't have roots spiritually. You look at someone who says, oh yeah, I love Jesus. I'm a part of a church, but they don't give. They don't serve. They don't go on mission trips. They don't serve in the community. Like they're, they're literally having zero impact. Regardless of what they say, if there's no fruit spiritually, there's no roots spiritually. This one's a promise. If you don't have roots, you'll never develop fruits. This one's an evaluation. If you don't have fruits, it's because you don't have roots. And if you don't have roots, it's because your heart is not soft. So why is it hard? What are you going to do about it? Why is it shallow? Who do you need to call and say, you, in, you invited me to follow Jesus with less than the full truth. Maybe it's someone else's fault. Deal with that, deal with them, and then get deep. Why are you so attracted to the world that you can't let go of the world so you can grab onto God? You see, to have roots, the hard has to become soft. The shallow has to become deep. The thorny's got to be kind of, kind of pruned back a little bit so that you can have impact with your life Jesus' little brother James steps in again. In James chapter 2, he's writing to people who say, Oh, I have faith, but they don't have any fruits. And he said, You got to show me your faith. You're trying to show me your faith without deeds. He said, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. James said, I'll show you my roots by my fruits. You can't talk about roots, you got to show them. Because if you have roots, you have fruits. And if you don't have fruits, it's because you don't have roots. Jesus said it this way If you have ears, 
I hope you'll hear. I hope, I hope you're listening. Several years ago, when Christian was three, my son, who will be 18 soon, you know, they don't tell you. There's this period in parenting called the terrible twos. Have y'all ever heard the phrase terrible twos? What they don't tell you is the terrible twos last from two to like 16. Um, and then they, and then, they, then they just transition into the difficult teenage years sometimes. But we were driving down the road one day when Christian was three. And he, I, I don't know if he hadn't had his nap or hadn't had his milk or whatever. But he, like, he was just in a mood. Um, and, you know, disciplining him was causing Danielle and I to kind of argue with each other. And he, like, he was, ru- he was ruining the day. I'm, I'm sure you've never had your kids just ruin a day. But he was ruining our day. And I turned around in the back seat because he, I mean, he was kicking the seat. He'd throw his toys down. He was like throwing his pacifier. By the way, if your kid's old enough to throw their pacifier, they don't need it anymore, right? Like if they can take it out and use it as a weapon, they don't need it anymore. You can give it away. But he was just being crazy. He was just being so annoying. And I turned around and I said, Christian, stop it. I said, you are being so irritating right now. And he looked back at me with as much energy as I gave to him. And he said, my ears are not tating right now. And I said... Oh, yeah, all right, you're, you're three. I guess that's fair. You don't even know what that means. But clearly your ears don't hear and understand what I'm trying to say. Stop it before I throw you out of the car. Like that, that's what I was saying. Stop, please, stop. Some of you, your ears aren't tating. You're not hearing. You're not understanding. And because of that, a hurt heart remains a hard heart. No roots, no fruits. A shallow heart remains a shallow heart. No roots, no fruit. The thorny soil just can't let go. No, no roots, no fruits. Today, Jesus is saying, are you, like, are you hearing what I'm saying? Let it sink deep. Let it heal you. Actions prove that you have ears because actions have fruit. And listen, fruit has impact. Actions have fruit and fruit has impact. And this is maybe my last dad note of the day. And then we'll pray in a minute. Dad note number four, dad, your faith matters. And this is really for everyone. Like if you're a Christian, your faith matters. But dad, since his father's day, listen to me, dads, listen to me, grandpa. Your faith matters. A large denomination in America did a global study a few years ago on the faith of families. Tens of thousands of families surveyed. And here's what they found out. Listen to me really, really closely. If a child is the first member of a family to become a Christian, I give these every year on father's day. If a child is the first member of a family to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% chance the entire family will become a Christian. If a child's the first person to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% chance the entire family will become a Christian. If a mother is the first person in the family to become a Christian, there's a 17% chance the entire family becomes a Christian. So single moms, I'm with you. I, I believe in that 17%. I've seen it. If a mom becomes a Christian first, there's a 17% chance the entire family will become a Christian. But if a dad, if a dad is the first member of a family to become a Christian, there's a 93% chance the entire family will follow Jesus. Dad, your faith matters. Dad, your faith matters. Dad, grandpa, your faith matters. So get your heart right. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. Deal with the hardness. Dig into the shallow. Let go of the thorny. Get your heart right. In John 14, Jesus said it this way. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Get your hearts right. 
Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Give the wounds of the past to Jesus. Let him deal with those and make you healthy. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Go beyond what's easy in faith to what's essential and what's real in discipleship. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let what the world promises, promises you keep you from grabbing on to what Jesus promises you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let them be fruitful. Let Jesus in so impact comes out. That's my prayer for you today. We pray with me as we close. With every head bowed and every eye closed. But my prayer is every heart open. No hard hearts at this moment. No shallow hearts at this moment. No thorny soil at this moment. Just open hearts. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but hearts are open. Hear this. Jesus stepped out of heaven to pursue you. So that if you're not connected to God, you could be. If that's you today. If that's you, dad. If that's you, mom. If that's you, grandpa. If that's you, teenager. If that's you, single adult. You're not connected to God, but you want to be. Jesus stepped out of heaven to pursue you. Let that message sink into your heart. Open your heart to the message of reconciliation. You can be connected to God through faith in Jesus. You say, how do I do that? Just tell him. Tell him what you need. Tell him what's on your heart. You say, I don't know how to pray. I've never really talked to God. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Hearts are open. You can repeat this prayer after me. And if it's, if it's your heart, maybe my words, but your heart. Not out loud, but just in your heart. Heaven hears the prayers of our hearts. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, pray, you'll be saved. You'll be reconciled. You'll be connected to God. If that's you, and you need to be connected to God, just pray this from your heart to heaven, Jesus. Forgive my sin that has separated me from God my entire life. Jesus, connect me to God right now by faith which means I don't understand it all but my heart is telling me to believe it to trust it God change my heart I commit to follow you I will give you my future if you will give me eternity thank you for pursuing me forgiving me, loving me, and leading me. Today, by faith, I want to become a Christian connected to God. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. If you just prayed with me, I'd love to pray for you. I don't want to make you feel vulnerable. I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to stand up or come forward or tell us your name. But if you're in here and you just prayed with me, I'd love to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a second, I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed with me just then from your heart to heaven, when I get to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and just hold it in the air for a few seconds until I can scan the room. Then I'll have you put them all down while everyone else keeps their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And 
then I'll pray for you as you begin your new life connected to God that you might produce fruit. If that's you, could I pray for you on the count of three? Would you just let me know? One, two, three right now. Just If you prayed with me, just all over the room. Just There's, there's a couple of you. Just leave your hands up right where they are. I'm just going to scan the room and count so you know when I'm done. One, two, three, four, five. Just keep them up. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You can put them down. God, thank you for these ten people. Lord, who were born in a broken relationship with you, but who were born at the exact same time on a day when you were pursuing them in every day of their life since you've been pursuing. You stepped out of heaven so these 10 could step in. So God, thank you for forgiving them. I pray they would feel forgiven. While I can't explain that, God, I've experienced it. I pray that they would as well. That as they leave, their heart would literally feel lighter. Their past would feel like it's been wiped clean and they have a new slate. Lord, I pray that as they leave, they would feel like you are with them. Again, while I can't explain that, I've I've experienced it. So I pray as they drive home and as they go home and as they get up in the morning, they would literally feel like the God of the universe knows them, loves them, and is with them at at all times. Begin Begin to let them feel you in their hearts and how they feel about things and in their minds and how they think about things. And as they come to church and read the Bible, give them a bigger picture of Jesus so they might become more like him. And God, more than anything, let the seed that they have responded to today grow deep, Roots and big fruits, big impact for you. Lord, thank you for these 10. Bless them on this special day of commitment or recommitment in their life. Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. My hope is that the rest of you were already Christians, already connected to God. So I'm talking to you now. What's the condition of your heart? Right now, today, what's the condition of your heart? And why? What is God saying to you about your hard heart? About hurt that you have to let him into? What is God saying to you about quitting every time trouble comes or faith gets hard? And about getting deeper? What is he saying to you about loving the world too much and how that's hurting you spiritually? If God has spoken to your heart today, would you respond in prayer? Just let him know you hear him. Before the service, you ask him to speak to you. What did he say? If he has said anything to you, will you just respond from your heart to heaven? Will you say, God, I know you see my hard heart. Help me heal. God, I know you see my shallow faith. Help me to get deeper. God, I know you see my love of the world. Help me let go. Whatever God's speaking to you about, tell, tell him you hear what he's saying to you and you'll try with his help to move forward. God, we thank you that good soil produces fruit. Fruit produces impact and impact matters. Thank you that every dad and grandpa in their house, their faith matters. Thank you that every Christian in the house, their faith matters. Thank you for those that are watching online who are followers of Jesus, their faith matters. And God, let us have roots that are deep so we might have impact that is strong. God, that's our prayer. We pray it today in Jesus' name and everyone said together, amen.